Hello and welcome to the Traumanomics Podcast, a place where we discuss a wide range of topics emphasizing healing, change, and growth for abuse survivors. Drawing from personal and professional experiences, we'll discuss issues openly for those in helping positions such as parents, educators, health and mental health professionals, and members of law enforcement. This is Dr. Chris Bertelson. Chris is a survivor, educator, and author. As a teenager, Chris was a target of a notorious child molester in his hometown, a man who went on to abduct and murder one of the victims. This abduction case went unsolved for 27 years. Chris was instrumental in helping bring attention to the cases, which were eventually solved in 2016. And this is Jordan Howard. Jordan is a therapist here in Arkansas with extensive experience working with abuse victims and males in particular. In addition, Jordan works with couples and people with addictions. Together, we hope to share stories and commentary of resilience and healing in a caring and lighthearted way, bringing attention to issues of abuse, addiction, and the effects on individuals and society. Hey guys, we really appreciate you tuning into our podcast today. And guys, if you find our content valuable, uh, if you if you like our show, please get on social media, get on Twitter, uh, and follow us on there. It's at Upstart Res. Uh, please get on the iTunes store and subscribe to us. We would really appreciate that. And if you're listening on Google Play, uh, we appreciate you subscribing there as well. In addition, we'd like you to go to our website, upstartresilience.com or traumanomicspodcast.com. There you can look around. There's some free resources, including a blog um, that we'll be doing um, periodically, hopefully weekly. And keep checking the website because we will be adding more resources and links as time goes on. Hey guys, we really appreciate you tuning in with us today. And this is actually our very first episode. Uh, And so Chris and I are actually coming at you today from uh, my home state and what I'm going to call God's country here in Arkansas. And uh, so we're we're ready and excited to get this thing going. Uh, The question that we kind of want to want to frame for you today is why traumanomics um so we decided to name our podcast traumanomics and uh the very first episode we thought we would just kind of explore this question why traumanomics and so with that being said i'm going to throw it over to chris and let him kind of tell you why traumanomics all right thanks jordan um it's interesting if we were in minnesota i'd say the same thing about it being god's country (laughs) um but yeah you're right uh So one of the things I'd like to start with is a quote by Frederick Douglass, who said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And I guess the uh, driving factor for me in wanting to start this podcast was because of experiences in life, experiences in the classroom as a a teacher, a high school teacher, and um, then as as a researcher, um, working with folks in the correction system here in the state. Uh, what I've learned through studying economics primarily and personal finance is that people with trauma don't have the same experiences and outcomes as people who don't experience trauma. And being one of those people, uh, I never understood that school was hard for me for a, a certain reason. Um, we'll get into this in later episodes about the case that I was involved with and the terror growing up in my hometown. Um, But that's really kind of the issue for me was that um, having studied these things, worked with offenders in correction system, 
Uh, we see the connections to addiction, anxiety disorders. Uh, Jordan, maybe you want to uh, step in here on the effects of trauma on um, individuals, and then maybe I'll swing back with uh, connections to the overall economy. Yeah, so what's always been very interesting to me is this, this idea of the word trauma in general. Uh, and so I've heard it for many years uh, being said to me is that trauma is basically something that your brain is not ready for. So situations, circumstances that arise that you're just not, you're not prepared, you're not equipped, you're not ready to, you know, to, to be facing them. And so trauma's impact can have just a, a wide range of impacts on the individual. Uh, stemming from, you know, we, we look at the rates of addiction that can come about. I believe that uh, research is beginning to point to the ideas that trauma is an underlying cause uh, for, for many of the addictions that are out there, uh, both chemical and process. And also, I think, too, just the impacts that it has on the person. You look at things like diagnoses like PTSD, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, uh, depression, um, and we know that particularly these are these are important things for for males because it's not something that uh, that men are talking about a whole lot. So, Jordan, let me ask you this question. Just uh, I think it's pretty easy for people to get their head around um, chemical addictions, but what's a process addiction? So, a process addiction would be anything that, that basically anything that's not chemical. Uh, you know, it's looking at things like playing on my phone. Yeah, playing on your phone. <laughs> that'd be one. Uh, gambling disorders, um, uh, gambling addiction, you know, video gaming, sex addiction is a big one, uh, you know, and things things that are still addictive. Uh, food would be another one to throw in there. Okay. Um, anything that's just a you know, kind of a non chemical addiction. Okay, sounds good. Uh, we just uh, there there's going to be times on the podcast where Jordan is going to be uh, technical and get all therapist on us. And I think that's really my role here is, in part, is to uh, keep him on track and make sure he doesn't use too much jargon. What you really don't know is I'm actually just a pig farmer from here in Arkansas. So. <laughs> well, and I'm a, I always say I'm just a social studies teacher. But, and, and, uh, so anyway, um, going back a little bit to one comment you made, Jordan, the, uh, the fact that men aren't talking about this, uh, this is really a huge thing because let's just say uh, trauma, when we say trauma, that is a, a very wide range of things. That could be a, losing a parent at an early age. It could be the death of a loved one, some other loved one. It could be a divorce. It could be you yourself going through a divorce. Uh, but one of the things that we're really going to kind of emphasize, kind of talk about here um, is sexual and physical abuse. And we know that uh, it's happening. Lots and lots of people experience sexual abuse, physical abuse, neglect, abandonment. For example, uh, in my dissertation, one of the sites, one of the studies I cited said that um, 50% of men in prison were sexually abused as children and 70% of women were abused as children. And so this is really a, an issue it's just not been okay to talk about. And so maybe you could throw some information or your, your thoughts on that, um, the importance of being able to, I say, we're going to be able to talk about things that people don't want to talk about. 
Absolutely. And I think Chris and I both envision this podcast as a place, too, where two guys are sitting here talking about these issues that most guys, when they get together, just absolutely don't talk about. Uh, I know in talking about the scenes, we both had several experiences, and I, and I, can, I can speak to this directly. I've uh, been a therapist for the past 13 years um, to where men typically don't, uh, they don't go to their buddies and, and talk about this kind of stuff. Right. It's just not what, what happens. And so uh, we're trying to kind of uh, break that, that, that type that's out there, um, because what we're finding is that a lot of men in their, in their personal relationships, uh, their intimate relationships, um, their relationships with their kids, that a lot of this trauma stuff begins to come out. Uh, it impacts their productivity at work. It impacts everything. And so um, one of the things that, to me, is also very interesting when you look at even the research and the stats as, it, as, as we look at things like, like abuse, uh, for instance, the sexual abuse stats will almost always be weighed more heavily uh, with females. And, that, and that's, I believe there's a lot of truth to that. However, there's also this phenomenon of underreporting. A lot of times, if you look at society, and we'll talk about this in later podcast episodes as well, uh, that we, you know, you think about young boys and their ability to, to have somebody that's safe to go talk to, especially in male culture. Uh, Chris, I would I would say for male culture, we, you know, we don't typically want to want to talk about that or want to or even know who we can access. Right, and I, and to. as as you said that, even I was thinking to myself that um, go talk to somebody. We're told not to talk to somebody. Males, uh, you know, are raised to be tough and strong and not show emotion, not show feelings, not talk about things. And then as a society, we act surprised when they don't talk about things. It's, you, you know, you don't get to be surprised when uh, you find out something that, uh, you know, for example, a boy was abused and then as a man is a raging alcoholic and has never told anybody, well, we can't be surprised by that in our society. And so this is uh, one of the things I think we need to do is to just make it okay, uh, particularly for boys, uh, but women, of course, uh, as well, to be able to talk about these things. The safety angle, Jordan, maybe you could address that just a little bit um, about the, the relationship of uh, a victim survivor should have in order to feel safe to talk. Maybe you could address that a little bit. Yeah, so in the, in the therapy world, we talk a lot about creating a safe place. Um, this is something that, that I believe in our society becomes more and more of a, of a problem. Uh, if you think about, and obviously we love our social media and our, our, our ability or YouTube and things like that, but the problem with that is a lot of, there's, not, there's not a lot of privacy. And so becoming a safe place can be a very difficult thing to do because a lot of times for trauma victims, it becomes a real difficult thing with this just you know, finding safety. Um, being able to access people who are safe is, is something that a trauma, trauma survivor uh, doesn't really know how to do. Why not, Jordan? Well, I think because just the nature of trauma in itself, it creates, un, it creates dysregulation. It creates uh, unsafe environments. And so that becomes almost the norm for the trauma survivor. You know, and we'll talk about that also in, in other episodes of how, how that can become a problem in and of itself as well. But safety is a thing that even, even though you may think you have somebody who's safe, and I give the example of this, 
for instance, there's a lot of trauma survivors that uh, will at times, they will divulge to various people parts of their story uh, who aren't safe. Uh, and so um, sometimes it's, it's a, there's, a, there's a phrase uh, in our line of work, they call it compulsion to repeat the trauma. You'll hear me talk about this from time to time. And it's those scenarios that, that trauma survivors will find themselves uh, kind of throwing themselves into other situations that create trauma, because trying to heal ultimately. Give ultimately me an example of a situation like that where somebody is uh, doing that behavior you just mentioned. So uh, one that I can think of off the top of my head is that, um, for instance, somebody who came from very a very dysfunctional household oftentimes will get in a dysfunctional relationship. Uh, that could be an area, uh, you know, putting themselves in, in situations that are, are uh, dangerous, potentially. Um, you know, we think about that with addicts. happens all the time, you know, but it becomes sort of their normal. Uh, so the bar is changed. The bar gets moved uh, to where, you know, unsafe situations can become safe. Safety is not comfortable. Because, you know, if you think about that, trying to, if you've never known what safety is, you know, you, you, you don't know what it is. Right, right. So let me ask you this question. There was a, uh, my kids and I were down at uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, visiting Elvis's hometown. <laughs> this is some Southern fun here. If you have not been to visit Elvis's uh, birth home, you need to go. It's in Tupelo. It's free to walk around there. He's the king. He is the king. And so what happened is uh, we'd stopped. We saw a car with a license plate from up north, and this lady uh, asked us a question, whatever. And I was like, oh, are you, are you from up that way? And, and so she shared with us this story of her sister's son, being charged with some crimes and and how this whole uh she just described this whole chaotic scene and as you mentioned so we're strangers now i would argue i'm a safe person but is that an example of somebody oversharing or that compulsion to share compulsion to share is that what you're kind of talking about that sort of thing yeah, it could be. I mean, it could very well be. Um, and, and, and the interesting thing is you'll find this how it works both ways. Uh, you will also find you know, trauma survivors who struggle being able to, to divulge at all. Uh, so it can kind of go, and, and really probably more often times you will find that one, uh, especially as we talk about men uh, being able to kind of share their stories. Um, you know, you think about it, guys, as, you, as you're sitting out there listening to this and, and um and, and you know, th- think about how typical conversations go uh, in, in our culture now. You know, whether it's sort of the bro code or whatever you want to call it, to where we you know talk about sports, we talk about you know jobs. We 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 often define ourselves, I think, a lot of times by our what we do versus what we actually are and, and who we are. Um, and so, again, it's just it, it becomes a a taboo uh, to where. People just aren't talking about this, and I, I know Chris. I know you get this. You get this a lot from some of your speaking engagements. I know you've had some moms come up to you of, of teenage sons. What you know? Give us your feedback. You get yes, that. absolutely. Um, I have had, and and many many times I've had women come up to me with concerns about brothers, their sons knowing that something happened. They're seeing uh, different behaviors that aren't. They're unlike 
um, what this person used to be like. For example, just the other day, a lady told me that her brother uh, doesn't want to get out of bed, doesn't want to look for a job, um, is despondent, doesn't want to talk, um, lots of uh, issues like that. And she described a scene of, of that she recalls of this brother being with a, a relative and she thinks something happened during the time that she spent with this male relative. She thinks that he was sexually abused. And so um, it's not often the victim himself that notices these things. It's often family members or um, you know, trusted adult parent or something like that. I had one, I had one other um, just recently you know, a guy older than me came up to me afterwards and, and I had used the phrase, nothing is stuffed. And um, that actually I heard from a, a priest uh, on, a, on an audio, uh, Father Richard Rory said, nothing is stuffed, nothing is stuffed. And it comes out sideways and I used that um, phrase and this guy came up after me after the talk and he said, um, he goes, I'm one of those guys. He said, I was sexually abused as a kid. I haven't dealt with it. I know it, and uh, it, it causes me problems. And so invariably, if I share any part of the, particularly the, the Jacob Wetterling case and, and our involvement with that, uh, somebody, somebody has something to share, and it's, it's almost always males dealing with males who have been abused. And as Chris suggests right there, guys, we're going to we're going to come back to this uh, probably in our next episode, uh, to where Chris is going to be sharing more of his story. Uh, and 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 I'm telling you guys, it's a it is a riveting story, um, you know, to hear. Um, but he'll share more of his his personal story um, involvement with the Jacob Wetterling case uh, and how all that that transpired. Um, which will, which will really, I kind of think, help to set, help set the tone for our podcast. I also want to say at this point, we, you know, we, Chris and I, want to have fun and do this in, a, in as much of a lighthearted way as we can about this topic, but also to say something really uh, to kind of drive to drive this point home. If you really look at society today and what's going on with rates of depression, suicide, problems with our teens. The, the, the mass uh, shootings that we've had that have just happened recently and continue to grow in number. If you look at the population that tends to be the most central to that, we have this demographic of, of males, again, uh, who are involved in, in the majority of those, of those cases. If you look at suicide rates right now, I promise you, if you look at the most current research on it, I don't have it in front of me right at this moment, but it, it far the the, the, the typical uh, high middle aged men, yeah. middle aged men, middle aged men, middle yeah, aged absolutely. men, yeah, eighty percent, yeah, okay, it's, there it, it is. It's, I think it's seventy nine or eighty percent of yeah. all suicides are yeah. middle aged men. So, guys, if we're looking at, let's just take the low low ball on that seventy percent, seventy percent of all suicides, middle aged men. Drop the mic. That that's all that needs to be said about that topic. Um, we've got a problem. There is a serious problem going on in society with with men, and it starts at the very youngest age of how we bring up boys. Uh, and so we, we've got to really take a look at that, I think, as a culture, uh, if we want to, to fix this problem. I'll tell you what I get a lot as a therapist, and this is very off the cuff and very, very true for what I hear. 
Uh, I have a lot of moms. I have a lot of wives who try to attempt to drag their son or their husband to therapy. And, uh, and oftentimes, you know, the, sometimes they will come kicking and screaming. Uh, some, not always the case, but, uh, but oftentimes they just won't come at all. And so uh, if we're going to try, to try to work with this problem, we really have to get guys talking. That is our point. That is really the thrust of what we're trying to do. Yeah, and I would argue that, um, you know, one of the things that if we can't get them talking, maybe we can at least get them listening uh, on the podcast, you know, and I'm, I'm just thinking for folks that are in a position of not wanting to go to therapy, uh, not wanting to talk about things, at least give this a shot, start listening, and, um, you know, hopefully you'll feel safe and have other safe people that will um, encourage you in whatever direction is right for you, but, but it's definitely a start, and so we're hoping to provide that um, experience, strength, and hope, so to speak. Guys, we appreciate you joining us for this first episode. Take care. All right. Thank you. This podcast is made available by Upstart Resilience, LLC, for educational purposes only, as well as to give you general information and a general understanding of the subject matter. This podcast is not designed to give specific professional advice. By using this podcast, you understand that there is no counselor-client relationship nor any other professional relationship between you and the hosts. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent professional advice from a licensed professional in your state.